0: On your way in, uh, you might have seen a sign that said rest month. You saw that. Well, rest is something that is really hard for us in our culture today. Uh, in, in fact, sometimes we confuse rest with adrenaline, the adrenaline we get from working. You know, so we think, oh, I did this job and now I feel so good. This must be what rest is. But that's not what rest is. Rest is stopping from working. And uh, I, I lear- I've learned over the years the importance of rhythm in life, and seasons of high intense rest and seasons of quiet, and, and or high intense activity and seasons of quiet. But um, we we just we find that very hard. Uh, one of my favorite movies is What About Bob? And in it, Bob is this obsessive compulsive guy. If you- how many have seen What About Bob? Okay, to the rest of you, get with it. Come on. Uh, at the um, at one point, Bob follows his psychiatrist on vacation, and the psychiatrist gives him a new prescription, and it is take a vacation from your problems. Okay, but you know, for us, what we have to do to take a vacation from work is leave town, because if the work is there, we feel compelled to do it. And there's so much wisdom in the whole Sabbath concept. And if if you're my age or older, you might think old oh, Sabbath—that's old Old Testament—but uh, actually, uh, the word just means stop. And in this context, it means stop working. And uh, so the the whole concept is really significant to us today. And the Bible says that man wasn't made for the Sabbath, which would make it a law, but. The Sabbath was made for man, which makes it a gift to us.
1: It's good. So last year, we decided to make all of June rest month. And last year, we literally canceled all classes, all groups, all events. We did nothing extra in the month of June. We The staff canceled a lot of meetings, um, with the exception of the annual Albania mission trip, and then a camp that we send our teenagers to, because it's such a prime time of year for, for them to engage with God. So this year, we're continuing that tradition with rest month again. And in 2024, June will be rest month. In 2025, June will be rest month. In 2026, June will be rest month. All right, you're getting it. So what that looks like is less... Yeah, I, I mentioned what it looks like already, but another thing about it is that this light will flash all service on me. And it's like a special June thing so that you know it's a really special day today. No, just kidding. Um, the, the preaching team is also taking a rest for the month of June. And so we're actually going to watch teachings by a pastor and teacher from Portland, Oregon, who leads a ministry called Practicing the Way. He used to pastor a church called Bridgetown Church, and his name is John Mark Comer. So John Mark Comer wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We just spent more than a year going through that book with a portion of our staff. So we're like, we are definitely not going to hurry through this book. It doesn't even have 12 chapters, but we're going to take more than a year on it, okay? And... Um, it's really doing something deeply, something deeply in my heart and my wife's heart and the other leaders in the church are really just feeling like this renewed biblical conviction and understanding about having a, Jesus-like rhythm of like uh, rhythm of life, and what having rhythms of rest can really look like. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear from the primary source, you know John Mark Comer himself, the person that's been impacting us. We wanted to let y'all in on um, the teachings that have really impacted us. And then after the sermon, I'm going to come back up and tell you about some goals and exercises that our creative communications director, Chris Walden, and another team of people came up with for our whole church to practice this month, okay? So we're going to watch the watch the clip, watch the sermon, and then I'll be back up. <laughs>
2: Flip through any popular magazine and you will see all sorts of advertisements. A couple drinking coffee and reading the morning newspaper in bed, a man lounging on the couch and playing the guitar, a group of friends on the beach for a picnic. What exactly are they selling? They are selling Sabbath. The word Sabbath is Shabbat in Hebrew, and it literally means to stop or cease or be done. The marketing departments of companies the world over know that you ache for this kind of a life, but that you don't have it. And they are offering to sell it to you. The irony is you can't buy Sabbath and you don't need to. To Sabbath, you don't need to drop $69.99 on a new terrycloth bathrobe or sell your kidney to buy a new couch. You just need to stop. This primal human ache for a life of Sabbath for what the spiritual writer Marva Don called a Sabbath spirituality, a life where we have margin to breathe and be at peace in God and live with joy together. This ache is nothing new. It goes all the way back to Jesus. One of Jesus' most famous invitations is from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love the pastor Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Are you tired? Has become a rhetorical question in the modern era. Of course we are, isn't everyone? Low-grade exhaustion is the new normal. Now, part of the reason for this is body-based. Up until very recently in human history, most people slept 10 to 11 hours a night. Now the average in Western nations is just around six. Cue all the latest research from neuroscientists on the devastating effect of insufficient sleep on our mind and our body. We are diminished in our whole person because we are so tired. But it's not just our bodies that are tired, it is, in Jesus' language, our souls. Even when we go on vacation and catch up on sleep and have a little R&R, there is a psycho-spiritual exhaustion that does not go away in the modern world as a result of things like the hurry and busyness and frenetic pace of modern life, the noise pollution of the city, the always on 24-7 email from home work culture, the rising cost of living with more and more people working multiple jobs just to stay afloat or the side hustle to pay for the mortgage, the digital age, the phone that never stops buzzing, the constant churn of alerts, the stream of 24-7 news full of outrage and fear, the polarization politics, it's just too much for most of us to carry. It is not an easy yoke. Is it any wonder we're so tired? And this problem of chronic exhaustion isn't just an emotional problem. At its core, it is a spiritual problem. Why? Because we follow Jesus who said the greatest commandment in all of scripture is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. For Jesus, love is the telos of the spiritual journey. It's the end goal, it's what it's all about. Therefore, love is the metric by which we chart our progress. But the more exhausted we are, the more difficult it is for us to love or to bear any of what the New Testament calls the fruit of the Spirit. As Jesus himself said, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The hard truth is one, it's very difficult to love God when we're tired. If love for God and obedience to God are two sides of the same coin, as Jesus seemed to teach, the more tired we are, the more prone we are to sin. Scientists tell us that a lack of rest erodes energy from our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain that exercises impulse control or what the New Testament calls self-discipline. But secondly, too, it's hard to love people. As a general rule, tired people are not loving. Most of my worst moments as a human, as a friend, as a coworker, a husband or father, are when I'm exhausted, stressed out and in a hurry. I am more irritable, impatient, selfish. It's like I've devolved down Maslow's hierarchy of needs to my base survival instincts. It's just about me and what I want and what I need. I began the weekly practice of Sabbath 15 long years ago At the time, I was church planting and working six or even seven days a week straight, long hours, and I was under a ton of stress. And I noticed that year over year, I was becoming less loving, not more. And I was the pastor of the church. I was running on anger and on edge. I was worn thin. I did not have the energy to be present to my family, to my life, or even to my God. The practice of Sabbath changed the trajectory of my life. It was a before-after kind of seam moment in my spiritual journey. I will devote myself to this practice for the rest of my life because for me, without it, I simply cannot live and love even close to the way of Jesus. If you are, like Jesus said, tired and burned out on religion, like I was, you don't have to live this way. Jesus' will for your life is not for you to be chronically exhausted, sleep deprived, and living with zero margin. That's the enemy's will for your life, not Jesus. It's the enemy who is anti-Sabbath. Here's a metaphor that may be helpful. Imagine your life energy as kind of like a power bar on your phone. 100% is what Jesus called life and life to the full. 0% is dead. We usually don't rest until we're dangerously tired, down to 30 or 20 or 10%, and when we do rest, it's often not long enough or deep enough to get all the way back up to full, but just to kind of get solvent, to keep going. But what do we miss out on in that last 30%? What the New Testament calls the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and more. The best stuff all comes when we're rested. This is why rest is essential to apprenticeship to Jesus. Because if the end goal of an apprentice is to become a person of love in God, we can't do that if we are chronically exhausted. So, is there a practice from the way of Jesus to reorient us away from the exhaustion of our world and toward life to the full? Yes, it is the practice of Sabbath. The word Sabbath, or Shabbat in Hebrew, as I said, literally means to stop. But it can also mean to rest, to delight, or even to worship. Based on that, you can frame the Sabbath in four movements, stop, rest, delight, and worship. The plan is to cover each movement over the next four sessions. All we want to cover in session one is to stop. If you have your Bible with you, open it up to Genesis chapter two. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work or the word there is he sabbathed. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested, he sabbathed from all the work of creating that he had done. Notice, God Sabbathed. I've read this passage since I was a kid, but I remember the first time it hit me, God Sabbathed. You're thinking, yeah, but you know, I'm type A, I'm a high capacity person, God Sabbathed. Yeah, but I have little kids at home and I'm starting a business and God Sabbathed. God, the creator stopped, said, I'm finished. And in doing so, He built a rhythm into the fabric of creation. We work for six days, and then we Sabbath, we stop for one. It comes as no surprise that every single society in the history of world civilization has been built around a seven-day week, even though it's the one unit of time that is not tied to the movement of the stars. The day is tied to the Earth's 24-hour rotation, the month to the moon's lunar cycle, and the year to the Earth's journey around the sun. The seven-day week is not. It's built out of God's own life rhythm. The last time a serious attempt was made to change the seven-day week was in 1793 in the French Revolution, where the government attempted a 10-day week to up productivity. The result, productivity plummeted, and worse, there was a rash of suicides and a spread of mental illness. Our generation is reliving the French Revolution all over again, not due to a government fiat to elongate the week, but to a kind of vast conspiracy of modern life that is throwing us out of any kind of rhythm at all. The smartphone, electricity, the alarm clock, the car, so much more have created a world where we go and we go and we go and we never stop. But God created the human body and the planet itself to live in a rhythm. There is a rhythm between day and night, waking and sleeping. There is a rhythm between the noise and activity of spring and summer and the quiet and dormancy of fall and winter. There is a tidal rhythm between the land and the sea that is over all the earth. Within our own bodies, there is a rhythm of the breath as we inhale and exhale. When we lose this sense of rhythm, of pace, of back and forth, we lose a part of our humanity. You are not a machine. You are a soul, and you were not created to move 24-7. When we live without Sabbath, we go against the rhythm that God, the Creator, built into our body and into the fabric of creation itself. And as the philosopher H.H. Farmer once said, when you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. This is true on the negative side. When you don't Sabbath, you suffer the consequences, burnout, stress, a trashed immune system, brain fog, frayed relationships, a felt sense of distance from God. But it's also true on the positive side. When we do Sabbath, we reap the reward. More recently, a medical study was done on a large community of Christians who practice the Sabbath at a very serious level. This study found that not only are they much happier on average than the general population, but they live, wait for it, 11 years longer than the average person. One doctor pointed out that if you add up the time devoted to Sabbath over a lifespan, it's around 11 years. He theorized that for every day you Sabbath, you literally add a day back to your life. My point is, this 6 and one rhythm is built into the fabric of God's world. Just like gravity or thermodynamics, if you fight it, you will face the consequences. Which is why, later in Scripture, it's commanded by God. If your Bible is still open, turn to Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he Sabbathed, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath isn't just a good idea. It's one of the 10 commandments. In fact, it's the longest of all 10. If you were to make a pie chart, it's around 37%. In God's economy, it is just as important, or more so, than not lying or stealing or killing. And it's the only commandment that we brag about breaking. Even in the moral decay of the West, few people brag about how many lies they told that week or how many affairs they had, yet many of us brag about how many days in a row we worked or how many emails we did over the weekend or just how in demand we are. Because busyness is a sign of social status, of how high up the hierarchy we are. This is not the economy and it's not the way of Jesus. Now, Christians have long debated whether or not the Sabbath is still a binding command on followers of Jesus. And there are good people on both sides of the conversation. But for me, asking whether we have to keep the Sabbath or not is about as helpful as asking if we have to keep the second law of thermodynamics. We can work with it, or against it, but it just is. Even if the Sabbath command is no longer binding, it still stands as wisdom, as as something built into the fabric of creation. Lots of things aren't commanded in Scripture, but they are essential to becoming a person of love. As the writer Wayne Mueller put it, the Sabbath is not a burdensome requirement from some law-giving deity, you ought, you better, you must, but rather a remembrance of a law that is firmly embedded in the fabric of nature. It is a reminder of how things really are and the rhythmic dance to which we unavoidably belong. Jesus famously said in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. He was speaking to a generation that had the opposite problem to ours. They had hundreds of rules and regulations around the Sabbath that warped God's intent behind the day. First century Jews needed to hear the second half of that line. The Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. But I would argue most 21st century Christians need to hear the first part. The Sabbath was made for people. Our problem isn't that we have too many rules for the Sabbath, it's that we don't have any at all. Long before the Sabbath is a command in Scripture, it is a gift from the Creator to you and me and all of creation, from a generous, joyful, loving, wise God with good intentions toward you, a God that Jesus called the Lord of the Sabbath, hence the command to remember the Sabbath day. What exactly is it that we remember on the seventh day? We remember that there is a creator God. This is our Father's world. We live in it. We breathe his oxygen. We eat his food. And this world is good. We remember there's a rhythm to creation. We remember that we don't stop when we're finished because we're never finished. We stop when the rhythm God built into our bodies says, enough, stop. We remember that we're not what we do or what we have or what other people think of us. We are who we are deeply loved by. Many people fear stopping. They fear Sabbath because they fear what emotions may come up. Who am I if I'm not producing or performing? Sabbath is a weekly act of identity formation where we remember I am God's daughter, I am God's son, and I am deeply loved. We remember that our life with God, it's not a right, it's a gift. That the world is full of evil and injustice, yes, but it's also full of goodness and beauty. We remember that we owe it to God to be grateful and joyful with Him in His world. You see, Sabbath is more than just a day. It is a way of being in the world. The practice of Sabbath is a day of rest by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in all of our life, a practice by which we undergo a dramatic shift from restlessness to restfulness, from a life of hurry to margin, from burnout to living at a sustainable pace, from noise to quiet, from distraction and chaos to clarity, from grasping to gratitude, from anxiety to peace, from attempting to control our life in vain, to trust in God. Do you see it? But Sabbath isn't just an aspirational idea. It is a practice. It's what the psychologist James Clear calls a keystone habit out of which so many other good habits flow. Sabbath, like all of the practices, is a means to an end. The end isn't to say, I practice Sabbath, check the box. It's not even to be well rested or even to be happy. It's to participate in the love and life of the Trinity, to center our entire life around God, to live more deeply in Him, not just on the Sabbath, but all week long. As the biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann said, people whose Sabbath live all seven days differently. That's why the Sabbath is on day seven and not on day three or four. It's not a break in the middle of the week so we can get back to the real business of life, work. It's the apex, what the entire week is all leading up to. You do not have to live a Sabbathless life of nonstop exhaustion. You, right where you are, your stage of life, your personality, your reality, you can adopt the practice of Sabbath. And you don't have to buy it or order it online. All you have to do is stop.
1: All right, so what'd you guys think? It's good stuff, right? So, a ton of information was just thrown at you. Very well organized and very clear, but nonetheless, still a lot was just put out there for us. So we crafted some customized goals for our church to participate in this month. So let me tell you the the each week there will be a different goal that reflects and it's built off of the teaching we heard the week before. So the, the goal that we're gonna practice this week, or we're gonna go for this week, is to have one night in our week where we're screen free in this upcoming week. So um, one evening where you would normally watch a show or where you would normally be on Instagram or um, catch up on emails, whatever it is, instead of doing that, read a book, go for a walk, Um, Go out to eat with friends, whatever. But one one evening this week, we're going to stop using screens in an effort to practice rest, okay? Now, each week, we have two different reach exercises, kind of like for the zealots in the room that want to really go crazy with this whole idea. We have two extra kind of little goals that you can go after, too. One would be to begin reading the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And the second would be to actually start to own your day off as a Sabbath and to like decide that one of the days um, that you normally chill and rest, but maybe you also fold laundry and maybe you also work on clearing out leaves out of the gutters or you go shopping for the thing you need. For half of that day, for the rest of this month, to not do that stuff. So our challenge is for this month to pick one day a week, This is the reach exercise, okay? If I'm going way past you here already, don't worry about it. Just stick with one screen-free night. But if you're feeling like, man, I'm experiencing convergence right now. Like God is clearly has been speaking to me about slowing down and resting and kind of getting in rhythm, then I'd say go for it with the reach exercises and choose a day, the same day, each week, the rest of the month, where for half of that day, you're not gonna do any work, okay? What do you guys think? Do it. That's all I have to say, all right? Just kidding. Well, right now, I want to welcome you guys to stand. Um, Prayer team, will you make your way down to the front? We'd love to, we have our prayer team down here that can pray for anyone, for anything. All right, let me me pray for us to, to close the service out. And then, you know, if you want to follow up with these goals and check this out, participate with us this month, go to VineyardNorthwest.com backslash rest. And in the middle of the week, or early in the week, there will be an email sent out just with a reminder about these goals. And by the way, no pressure for any of this, okay? Like this isn't like a way to become a member at the church or something, but it's just something that we feel is really important for our church to grow as apprentices of Jesus. So we thought we'd uh, go at it as a whole group for the month of June, Okay. VineyardNorthwest.com backslash rest to find the goals. And there's little videos we're going to be sending out that were made by staff here at the church, kind of coaching you and telling you our experience and, and clarifying the goals a little bit. So, Father, thank you so much for every person in this room. I pray that your grace would rest on every person in this room. That your love would rise in their heart. Lord, fill them fresh with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I pray that this would be a week filled with words of knowledge, with the gift of healing, with wisdom, with compassion, with gentleness, Lord. Give us all the good stuff from heaven so that we can go out and bring heaven to earth this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone, I hope you have an amazing week.